my Govanen, and happy Tolkien Reading Day 2023. As usual, several of the other YouTubers that do Tolkien-related stuff have gotten together for a playlist, so check the description for other videos in honor of Tolkien Reading Day this year. My topic is based on the theme for this year, which was travel and adventure, and travel and adventure is a very broad topic when it comes to Tolkien, because there's lots of travel and there's lots of adventure. Uh, but the thing that came to my mind was, first of all, how Tolkien, and to a degree Lewis as well does this, treats adventure in a much more realistic fashion than what we are necessarily used to thinking of, because when we think adventure, we think, you know, in a romantic way about how adventure is exciting and you can do all kinds of cool things on adventures, whereas... Lewis and Tolkien kind of bring out the fact that travel and adventure is often very dreary and often even miserable. Uh, <laughs> I'll give a few examples of that. But this kind of led me to note how, in this way, the way they treat adventure is not only more realistic, but it's also a very interesting mirror of the way life in general works. So I'm going to take a look at how Tolkien treats adventure and travel more generally and show how that kind of relates to how life is and the lessons we can learn from that. So, of course, as I mentioned before, what we tend to think of as adventure is kind of a romanticized thing. We, you know, there's action-adventure movies, there's adventure video games, there's even adventure board games, and the adventure in all of these things always is related to the excitement of things that you encounter along those lines. So, you don't in, you know, most video games, board games, movies, get any real sense of the the drudgery that comes between the exciting moments. Sometimes you do, but it, it's very much not the focus. Whereas, when you start reading Tolkien, you find that very often his protagonists have to go through quite a lot of uncomfortableness, as Bilbo might say, before anything really interesting happens. And let's start with Bilbo, because he's a prime example of this. Bilbo, of course, is a homebody, and a key theme of that book is his desire to stay at home and the tension between that desire and his more Tookish desire to wear a sword instead of a walking stick, let's say. But as soon as he sets out on his adventure, the first thing we encounter is not, you know, interesting events or exciting uh, encounters with other creatures, although that does come later, of course. But it's just the sheer misery of having to, you know, be without a pocket handkerchief. <laughs> oh my goodness, Bilbo's doomed. He doesn't have a pocket handkerchief. And, of course, the way the book is written, that's supposed to get us to laugh a little bit because it's like, really, that's how pathetic this guy is? But just imagine yourself, especially as, you know, we moderns, we have all these creature comforts. If you're watching YouTube, you probably have, you know, a flushing toilet and running water and central air or heat, if, you know, depending on where you live, and... All of these things, when you lose them, 
are suddenly much more important than you realize. Uh, and for Bilbo, of course, many of these things didn't exist, but he still did have his own creature comforts, you know, his pocket handkerchiefs being one of them. And setting out on the adventure of, you know, Thorin and company, he left a lot of that behind. But not only did he leave a lot of his creature comforts behind, he stepped out into a world where suddenly he was exposed to a lot of things. And by exposed, I mean quite literally exposed to, say, the weather. His first adventure, if you could call it that, with the trolls, of course, comes after being miserable in the rain and just wishing he was back in his comfortable hobbit hole. And his adventure with the trolls is actually quite unpleasant. It's not very fun or exciting. It's terrifying. So even his first exciting thing that he does on the adventure is largely achieved as a matter of luck, and it's only particularly fun to think about in hindsight, because in the middle of it, of course, he gets caught and is worried about being eaten, and then all of his friends get caught and are about to be eaten. And this theme kind of goes on and on and on. I mean, you get all this other travel that goes on, and it's sporadically interspersed by, you know, more pleasant things like stopping at Rivendell or Bayorn's house or, you know, the brief stay in uh, Lake Town. But most of the time when they're traveling, Bilbo is profoundly unhappy. So he's very unhappy in the Misty Mountains when he gets, especially when he gets separated from the dwarves. But even before that, just Climbing through the Misty Mountains before they even get caught by the goblins, he's not happy. He's constantly thinking back to, you know, why can't I have eggs and bacon cooking? Why can't I have tea? Why can't I have this, this, this? And this happens all the time. Now, Bilbo, of course, is arguably not the best example because he is the one who is most likely to be complaining about these kinds of things, being the homebody that he is. You have the other hobbits in The Lord of the Rings who have a very different kind of outlook, except maybe Sam. But Frodo, Merry, and Pippin seem to be kind of enamored with the idea of adventure. And this is where it really kind of hits home that adventure is not really what we want it to be, because these three kind of grew up with their own idea of what adventures are like based on Bilbo's stories. They clearly learned nothing. <laughs> because if they had paid attention to what Bilbo had actually told them in his stories, or maybe he told them a very abridged version without all the misery, they would have been like, well, you know, adventures can be kind of fun, but you also have to deal with rain and trudging through rough terrain and possibly getting caught by goblins fearing for your very life, wandering through dark forests with magic streams and not having food and wondering if you're just going to starve to death and all this stuff. But no, these three hobbits, Sam is probably not quite on the same page, but these three hobbits at least are, they have this idea that adventures are kind of cool because they grew up listening to Bilbo's stories. But their own adventure is much like Bilbo's. It turns out very similar because they set out, they go through the old forest, and while it's not exactly like Mirkwood, it's still very tricky. They can't find their way through it, and then they get put to sleep by a magic tree. They get rescued, and so we get our first, you know, kind of rest period with Tom Bombadil, 
but then they set out again, and they immediately encounter a bunch of, you know, ghosts, Barrow Whites, you know. And this is after they've already been running from, well, not running from, it's not quite like in the movie, but trying to avoid, at least, Black Riders. So, the early part of The Hobbit's adventure is already full of fear and, you know, getting into really deep trouble. They finally get out of all of that, make it to Bree, and then they step into it. They're, you know, just kind of resting and not really doing much of anything. But then they step into it. Frodo Frodo accidentally puts his ring on, and now they're having to worry about the Black Riders coming back for them. And indeed, somebody ransacks their room. So again, they're just constantly afraid, and they have to put their trust in this weird strider guy who's, you know, maybe a scoundrel and who knows, but then they start, you know, traveling once again, and because they're trying to avoid the Black Riders, they can't go by the main road, which probably wouldn't have been that pleasant anyway, because it's a long way from Bree to Rivendell, and it would have been quite a trek, they would have been low on food, and who knows what else, but no, they have to go through the rough country, and even Strider manages to get a little bit off path, he doesn't completely stick to the plan that he had, but they had, they go through a bunch of woods and then they go through the Midgewater marshes and they are absolutely miserable because they're being eaten alive by bugs. So, you know, they have all this go on before they reach Rivendell finally. And even by then Frodo has been stabbed and is borderline turning a wraith by the time he reaches Rivendell and is healed. So, they reach Rivendell, they stay there for a little while, and that part is nice, of course. They leave Rivendell, and then they spend a whole bunch of days traveling in the cold, because it's winter now, and the text does a really great job here describing just how miserable they are. It talks about the wind and how it just seems to be searching out all of the ways to get through their clothes and just making them completely cold, and that's despite them being dressed warmly, okay? And they're traveling, and they're traveling, and it just, it gives you the sense of the dreariness of we're just marching south endlessly with apparently no progress, but slowly but surely the mountains do get closer, and they've, the landscape changes a little bit. And then, of course, they have to decide, how are we going to proceed from a particular point? And it's, you know, we could try to go south, or we could go over the mountains, and then there's another way that Gandalf and Aragorn are talking about that Frodo overhears, but he doesn't know what it is, and Aragorn's terrified of it, and so Frodo's like, well, I hope we don't do that. Well, luckily for Frodo, they go over the mountains. Lucky, right? So they try to go over the mountains, and of course they get snowed in and are absolutely miserable, and Frodo is about to pass out from cold, and all this nasty stuff happens, and they finally decide, well, that's not working. So they make their way down, and almost immediately they get attacked by wargs. I mean, it's like, it's just one bad thing after another, and then they finally make it into Moria after having a really hard time doing that. And Moria is terrifying because it's completely dark, and they don't know, you know, it's going to take several days to get through it, and then Pippin is stupid enough to wake up all the orcs in Moria, not to mention a Balrog, and then, of course, they're running for their lives. And then we finally get out of that, and then they make it to Lothlorien, which is a nice break, except for the fact that they're spending half their time mourning the fact that Gandalf died. <laughs> so, I mean, it's just endless, endless, endless stuff. And then, of course, we get more travel down a river where it's, 
everybody's kind of depressed because they all know a decision has to be made. So even though they're kind of taking it easy, just having a pleasure cruise on the river, they're still not entirely happy or even easygoing about the whole thing. And then they end up having the breaking of the fellowship, and Frodo and Sam get some of the worst travel in the entire story because they have to go through the Immunmuil, and then they have to go through the Dead Marshes, and then they get kind of a nice spot in Ithilien. But then they end up in Mordor, and the travel is absolutely terrible because it's just all dirt, dust, rock, and dead, dead plant life. I mean, it's just nothing. And, of course, by the time they finally reach Mount Doom, they've got basically no water and they're about to die of thirst. The entire adventure, most of the time, is spent being absolutely miserable because of travel. And it's, you know, it, it we get a lot of interspersed exciting stuff and some nice places to stop. But And those are the things that we tend to think of because those are the things that kind of make the story a little more interesting. It's not very interesting to read about how miserable these people are but Tolkien spends a lot of time telling us how miserable they are because frankly if you're going on an adventure of the nature that they're on that's what happens <laughs> it's just there's no getting around it and what struck me about this is that while you know there are certainly the parallel breaks down to a certain extent after a while Adventure and life are very much the same in this respect because life is full of a lot of drudgery and a lot of really hard patches, but with some nice spots in between where you get to rest, relax, or even better than that, be genuinely just super happy about something. So as kids, we all grow up going through school for the most part if you're, you know, in a in a Western-style country, for 12 years. And most people who go through that think the entire process is drudgery. Very rarely will you encounter anybody who, during the period that they're in school, thinks that it's just the most awesome thing in the world. Now, that's not to say that fun things don't happen in the midst of that, of course. You have, you know, events and, you know, people enjoy their birthdays, but, like, the, the process of going through school is not exactly fun. And then if you go to more school than just the, you know, the 12 grades that you would get in, say, the United States, there's more drudgery. And speaking from experience, I never found the process of going through school to be absolutely horrible, except when I was really young. But then when I got to law school, the difficulty level ramped up so much. <laughs> it was just... Uh, Nothing really prepared me for that, and the amount of work I had to do was just insane. And then to top it all off, you get to periods where you're so overworked that you just get literally depressed. I mean, there were periods where I was just like, I just got to get my work done and then go to sleep, and then get my work done and go to sleep, and get my work done and go to sleep. But you do get even moments in between there where you have... You know, you meet friends and you encounter new people just like Frodo does. He meets Gildor, he meets Faramir, he meets people on his journey that ease the burden somewhat, help him on his way, but also are just, you know, the companionship is a valuable thing in and of itself. And that is one way in which the adventure mirrors life. You go through periods where it's not fun, but because of the things you're doing, you will meet new people and gain new friendships and 
this kind of thing. The stops in Rivendell and Lothlorien and even the House of Tom Bombadil, those kind of mirror other aspects of our lives. Like, you know, you maybe you move from one place to another and you, you know, have a, the excitement of being in a new place altogether. Or if you move away from school, for school, then you, you know, live in a new place. And sometimes that's really exciting in and of itself. You move out for the first time and you're on your own and, you know, maybe you move in with a roommate or, you know, different things like this. You can end up in places that are new and exciting, not just new and drudgery, you know. So, I mean, there's this aspect to it as well. There's, you know, the the Karadras trip is personally very relevant to me because I spent a winter in Michigan and that's cold. Well, folks, that's just cold. <laughs> I am not from a place that is that cold by nature. And this is, I don't ever want to go back again. And I'm sure Frodo doesn't ever want to revisit Karathras either. So, I mean, there are literal parallels in that sense too, because you can be in a situation where the weather is just very different than what you're used to. And that in and of itself makes you miserable but there are also the achievements that you get along the way. I mean, the think about the way that Merry and Pippin, they have to go through all this travel, and then they get caught by the Urukai. And this, you know, the travel there is mostly forced marching or even forced running. And some of that is kind of like, you know, me being in law school. You feel like you're just constantly on a treadmill and you're being forced to make progress or you just, you're going to, lose something tremendous and that in in that context of course Mary and Pippin are going to be forced to go through a lot of physical pain but in my case it's like if you don't push through and get this done you're going to have wasted a lot of time for nothing or maybe you just have to take another year to finish or you know something really bad is going to result but at the end of it you do get you know in Mary and Pippin's case they get the escape which is in and of itself, a, just a huge relief, and graduating is a huge relief, which isn't to say that everything is fine and dandy now, but they escape, and then they meet new friends, and then they go off and do extraordinary things in the remainder of their, you know, adventure. So, Mary will end up doing interesting things with Theoden, and Pippin will end up doing interesting things with Faramir, Denethor, and Gandalf. And in, you know, before they even get to that, they end up helping Treebeard basically ruin Isengard. And in my case, it's more like, you know, well, I graduated law school, I got my law degree, I passed the bar, I got my first job. You know, all of these things that we go through in life, they end up having some kind of consequence that you can look back and go, okay, maybe all that drudgery was worth it. Or, even if it wasn't something like, well, at least the pain was worthwhile, maybe it's even more actively, you know, it's actually good that I went through that because it prepared me for something else down the road. And you can see that too in the adventure process in Tolkien because the adventures that the hobbits go through steadily build on each other. They get worse and worse and worse and worse. And if you didn't have the smaller level adventure earlier on, would you have been prepared to go through the tougher one later? By the time that Frodo gets to Karadras and he's, you know, just absolutely miserable with cold, 
would he have would he have really wanted to turn back? He, you know, dreams that he's back in Rivendell talking to Bilbo and Bilbo is chiding him for you came back because there was snow. <laughs> uh and you have to wonder if he had not already been through a lot of travel and a lot of misery in different ways, might he have basically said, I give up, this is too hard, I'm going back. And that is the way life is. We start small, we work our way up, we get you know, through more and more things, and as we go through these things, we get tougher, we build our endurance, we reach new levels of what we're capable of doing. And if we're you know, really doing it right, as you might say, we're constantly improving ourselves in some form or fashion, even if it's not through the process of just being misery and in, being in misery and enduring more and more things. It's you know in some way we are doing something to improve our skills, to learn more things, to you know make make life easier in the long run, and that is kind of ultimately what the adventure is about because Frodo's whole goal here is to go through the really nasty stuff so that he can finally destroy the ring and save the Shire and all of Middle-earth with it. And that is kind of the ultimate expression of, you know, delayed gratification. It's like, this is a thing that needs to be done so that the future is better off. And that's how I think we ought to be looking at life for the most part. It's, you know, we do things that are hard in the now so that it will be easier in the future. And that process never ends. We're always going through more and more cycles of it, and it always kind of ratchets up. We're always, you know, trying to improve things now by working a little harder in the, in the you know, the here and now in the short term so that in the long term things get easier and that you can improve and improve and improve, and it always takes more work, but things get better over time. They really do. And, it you know, it doesn't always seem like it in the moment because in the moment it's like, this is boring, or this is hard, or why am I doing this? I'm miserable, you know, whatever. But it does end up being worth it in the end. You look back at the things that you thought were hard, and you're like, that actually wasn't that bad. You know, it wasn't really that bad, and it prepared me in some way to be better off now. And in that respect, adventure, in its true sense, the Tolkienian sense, which is, Things are miserable, things are miserable, things are miserable. Oh, here's a respite, you know. It's not the same as life, but it does certainly have its parallels with life. And I think that is a valuable lesson worth learning. If you're just skating by in life and you're not really challenging yourself ever, you're probably not getting the really great joys out of life either. You have to go through Moria and all the other things to get to Lothlorien and experience its beauty. You have to go through, you know, the old forest, which is weird and hard to find your way through, to meet Tom Bombadil. You know, and that's a worthy experience, even if it's, you know, kind of a strange one. You have to go through hard things to get the best things in life. I had to go through, you know, law school to get to where I am now, that is also how I met my wife, ultimately, and if I hadn't done that, I wouldn't have the experience of having married her and had kids with her, and these things that we get in life 
they don't generally just come to us. We have to work for them in some way, even if it's not directly because, like, I didn't go to law school so that I could meet a woman to marry. That's not how that works. But nevertheless, that kind of experience is kind of necessary. You don't meet people who are worth meeting without going out and doing things that are generally in some way unpleasant. You almost have to encounter some level of unpleasantness in order to get there. So, this is the way life is. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just part of the way we are in the world is. It's, you know, the, it's the human experience. So, that is my take on Tolkien Reading Day. The next time you read through The Hobbit or The Lord of the Rings, really pay attention to how this progression works. How the adventure is... Really, if you look at the timeline, most of it is spent just being miserable or bored or just there's just drudgery. But you have to go through that to get to the really good stuff. So, that being said, I hope you enjoyed this and all the other videos linked in the playlist in the description below. If you did, please give this video a thumbs up and thumbs up everybody else's video as well. If you want to catch more of my content, make sure you subscribe. Click the bell icon if you're on YouTube. Check my description also for other platform links. Follow me on Twitter, for example, for Tolkien-related trivia questions every week. And you can find support links as well. Until the next time, I'm the Tolkien Geek, signing out for the Tolkien Lore Channel. Namadie.